When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura, and alongside me, we've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? L.J., doing good. And, of course, your one-stop shop for seven days a week baseball content that's what we are uh yeah doing good uh you know just wrapped up watching the trailblazers and the nuggets game uh that was you know an interesting nba playoff game for sure but uh yeah lj we had actually a pretty eventful day in the league today uh i was able to catch quite a few games throughout the day so uh yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, starting with the Mariners and the A's, Mitch Hanniger would double in Kyle Lewis home run. That puts Seattle up three to one after three innings. Jared Kelenic with his second career home run in the top of the fifth, absolutely crushed that ball. Uh, um, LJ, I'm not sure if I can if you have the the distance on it, but. Um, I want to say it was, it wasn't as much as I thought it was. Um, oh, here, I can get it right here on the baseball. I think it was only like 414 or something. 414, but it, it, yeah. it was a very convincing 414. 108 miles an hour off the bat. Very impressive uh, from the young top prospect. The Mariners go on to win 4-2. to two. You can give the win to Yusei Kikuchi, uh, who picks up his second on the year. Six innings, four hits, one run, and three Ks. The loss to Frankie Montas, now five and four. Six innings, six hits, four runs, and 11 Ks. Kenyon Middleton picks up his third save on the year. Today's matchup between these two will be uh, Logan Gilbert for Seattle versus Cole Irvin. And, um, of course, coming out of this game we have some very interesting news on the A's to talk about here how as there has been progress on a potential Oakland Athletics relocation they have now narrowed well, not necessarily narrowed it down however have two starting cities that they'll be working with the front office and management of the Oakland A's will be going to look at both Las Vegas and Portland on fact-finding missions in the very near future to see the viability of moving to either of those cities. Um, I think those were the two that we agreed were clearest cut going into this. Uh, In the companion article I wrote about it, we talked in depth about 
I talked talked in depth, just like we did on the show about those being the most realistic spots, because it's very easy for you to maintain a large portion of your pre-existing fan base, as well as it's not a huge change for the league and everything to have you go there as opposed to somewhere farther east. Yeah, uh, you know, LJ, I think the one thing me and you were talking about was even if they were to move east, it would make it so that the MLB would have to realign every single division, right? Isn't that what we said? And yeah, you can go ahead. And um, what we actually talked about in a purely hypothetical scenario, something we can get into at a later date, is the fact that they've also been kind of hinting at potential expansion over the past couple of years, the MLB has. So if they were to have the A's moving across country, it wouldn't shock me if they decided to try to partner that with expansion. And that could potentially completely change the landscape of the league if you were to have them go and then because as we were talking about it would make more sense to go to four four team divisions and who would be going moving where it would just it would be it is much more difficult no matter whether you're adding teams not adding teams it's much easier to keep the a's out west now lj let me ask you a question um Let's say that you are in the Oakland front office. Uh, which place out of Portland and Las Vegas would you want to move your team to? Um, my ultimate choice would be Oakland still. However, if, if you, you had to had, pick between one of those two. If I had to pick between those two, it's a tough call. I think overall, now, granted, I think the Las Vegas area has shown that they can keep professional level audiences. Again, baseball is much harder because you're trying to build, to fill a big stadium 80 times a year. Like that's much harder than it is even in in basketball where it's half as many games or basketball and hockey where it's half as many games and smaller stadiums football's football it's always going to draw the Raiders shouldn't have any issue there so you're still going to get numbers there but I think the Portland fan base will be far more loyal far more passionate and will look a lot better like it'll be a better image projected out towards the rest of the league to have that Portland fan base than it will Vegas but then when it comes down to it I I know that Oakland isn't necessarily the biggest players in free agency. However, Las, being living in Las Vegas is a much better draw than living in Portland, Oregon. Like, yeah. it, it's two very different lifestyles. And that could be the final decision on some guys. Again, it's not like they're competing for major free agents each year, but it could be a significant help to them to be somewhere nice and warm where it's not going to, you know, just like randomly just rain for days and just the general terrible weather of the Northwest. So overall, I guess I'm going to go with Portland just because I think those benefits that that city brings certainly outweigh the issues, especially seeing like you're not going out there trying to coax Trevor Bauer away from an LA team in Portland or anything. You're coaxing, Mitch Moreland from one second rate team to another second rate team um, in terms of franchise uh, status. So I don't think they're going to have a significant kick from not being in that nice market. So go ahead and go where you're going to get the biggest and most passionate fan following and make the most money. Yeah. uh, I certainly agree. I would say with, with Portland, you you would look at the Portland Trailblazers. They consistently have one of the best home courts in the entire NBA. It's certainly a very loyal and passionate fan base. Not that Las Vegas isn't, but I think Portland is one of those cities that has kind of been like in the hunt for a baseball team for quite a while. I've been hearing that city pop up for quite a few years. But uh, um, Yes, and to add to that, there's one man – that 
is more excited than anyone else that Portland is the, in the running for the A's, and that is Russell Wilson. Now, yeah. <laughs> at first, I thought this was like completely wacko. He tweets earlier when they announced that the A's will be visiting Portland on a fact-finding mission. Um, let's go Portland plus MLB Oakland A's equals winning formula, hashtag PNW. I'm not sure what that means. Um, however, so that seemed completely odd see, seeing he lives in Seattle and, you know, there's already a team there he should probably be supporting. But Brandon, Russell Wilson and his wife, Sierra, have been investors and co-owners of the Portland Diamond Project for several years, which has been pushing to get a city uh, franchise in the city. Oh, okay. Makes sense now. Makes a ton of sense. And I, I mean, I, don't, I knew he played, but I didn't realize he was this um, nearly this engaged in baseball from the business standpoint, like he clearly is to be putting that type of investment in to bring city or bring baseball to that city. Yeah, really cool uh, by him. I was certainly confused at first, uh, but that is very, very cool. All right, next up we have the Phillies and the Marlins here in a pretty interesting game. Ran quite exciting in the back half of this game. Uh, In the second, we get a pair of runs driven in by Ronald Torres and Sandy Leone before they they once again, excuse me, um, drive in a pair of runs both sides in the third. Then in the sixth, things start to get interesting as Corey Dickerson drives in two in the sixth. And then in the seventh, Jesus Aguilar brings in more and an Adam Duval three-run home run makes this 8-2 Miami. Garrett Cooper would double in the eighth to make it 9-2. And then from there, the Marlins take off a very scary threat of a comeback from the Phillies in the top of the ninth where Brad Miller homers and they put up uh, four unanswered runs or not needing to be answered four runs in the ninth and Miami gets out of this one nine to six give the win to Adam Simber Trevor Rogers went five innings allowing one earned run at five strikeouts the loss will go to Zach Eflin he went six innings allowing three earned runs and six strikeouts the loss to Dylan Floro Miami now has a gentleman sweep in this year's season series, winning three out of the first four games they've played against Philly this year. Game five will be Vince Velasquez versus Sandy Alcantara. This is really a lot of what we were talking about before the season, where if you're the Phillies and you weren't one of the two clear favorites to make the playoffs out of the East in Atlanta and New York, you need to play really solid baseball in the games that aren't Atlanta and New York. The the Phillies should be able to take care of Miami, even though they're better than they have been in recent years. They need to win these games. They need to have a clear, decisive advantage in these games if they have any hope of staying afloat in this division. Absolutely. I mean – we, I don't think that there's a division right now that one through five is as competitive as the NL East. Sure, the AL East is there, but, but Baltimore is clearly not trying this year. And they're starting to kind of fall into what we're used to. I mean, you, you look at this NL East and the Mets, of course, at the top. Uh, they they've been struggling lately, but coming into the year, like you said, LJ, it was the Mets and Atlanta who was the two favorites here, and Miami's been surprising people. I mean, people really counted them out this year, and you know, I I think people were a little too quick to not think about them. I mean, 
They do make the playoffs last year. They do win a playoff series. And LJ, only two teams in the NL East have a positive run run differential, that being the Marlins and the Braves. The Marlins at plus 16, the Braves at plus 11. So this is just a really solid, solid Marlins team. And absolutely, if you do want to be competing in this uh, division, you need to be winning games out of it because it is just a dogfight between those five teams right now. Yeah, I, I, I have to kind of just, and again, this is kind of getting way into nitpicking the details. I have to argue the competitive standpoint because this division has been truly awful this year and it hasn't been like we thought it would be in terms of low medium records where they're absolutely killing each other with great baseball these teams have all been like legitimately losing. Like they have all been bad in their own right. Whether it's the Mets, whether you're the Mets, whether you're the Phillies, whether you're the Braves, whether you're the Marlins, this has been a very rough year. And really with what they've shown so far through almost, almost two months now is this division is going to be won not by who wins the most, against teams that aren't in the comp in the hunt the four there are actually five teams here that are in the hunt it's not coming down to that it's coming down to who doesn't lose yeah uh, it's it's about not losing games at this point because they find every excuse to do so i mean the braves didn't win a single game against toronto this year toronto a good team but the Braves clearly are the more talented and more experienced of the group. There is no reason to drop those games. There isn't a ton of reason. We can both agree this Phillies roster is more talented than this Miami team. Yeah. I, I So it's just there's no real reason that we are sitting here saying that they should definitively uh, – that they, that they shouldn't be winning this. They should be the other way around where it's 3-1 Phillies right now going into game five, not 3-1 Miami. That's not, that's not a way that we can expect these teams to win. I, I'm quickly becoming more convinced that we're not going to get two teams from this division. Uh, yeah, that's certainly the right way to think considering that not a single team from the NL East has a winning record against teams that are above 500. The Mets, well, only, only one team has a winning record right now. Yeah, and the team with that, that, that winning record is 2-10 against other teams with, with winning records. So it's just the NL East is a mess right now, and – I'm honestly interested to see how it plays out because the Mets, LJ, they have 16 guys on the IL right now. 16. It's almost a full roster. It might be, again, not trying to speculate, but if I'm correct, it might be 17 soon, right? Didn't they have another uh, outfielder get hurt tonight? Yeah, I wasn't uh, I wasn't sure if they ended up taking out uh, John Ashui. Fargas, but I, oh, okay, they did take him out. I knew he like yeah, he uh, crashed into the wall pretty. Yeah, bad. he made, he was trying to make a very nice catch and hit the wall really hard, and then immediately grabbed his shoulder. But LJ, I'm not sure if you saw, but both Jeff McNeil and Michael Conforto are going to be out at least a month due to um, when they both got hurt stepping on first base the other day. Um. Yeah, I did see that. However, I'm just looking at this um, Fargus play for the first time. I mean, I know my MD, my uh, doctorate is only in being awesome. However, I would have to say, like, that's that's going to be a, some form of serious. Like, it isn't. It it wasn't like it was just you know a bruise. Like, oh, Al, I'm going to drop down. As soon as he hit it, he was staggering backwards, holding on to it. He grabbed it immediately. Like that did not that did not look good for them. They're gonna have to go get another major league outfielder. There's nobody. There's no. There's no other major league caliber players they could possibly find otherwise. No, and you know it's gonna be interesting because 
what does this Mets team even trade? I mean, they certainly don't have a very good farm system. And I feel like there's guys on the on their uh, major league roster who, you know, I, I mean, or I should say, I don't think that there's guys on their roster right now who they really could trade. I mean, they have Cameron Mabin out there. I mean. We'll, we, we will. Here, here's one for you, Brendan. Okay. Franchi Cordero and Austin Bryce for international signing pool money. I mean, <laughs> Fran- is, is that, am I asking for too much? Fran- for, all right, Fran, just Franchi for half a bag of chips. Okay. I mean, with the way that Francisco Lindor's been playing, uh, you know, they might be worth the same right now. Lindor still under the Mendoza line, hitting 189, 572 OPS. He has been struggling. This has been a, this has been such a odd year for the um, top shortstops right now. I mean, you've got two of them get huge deals in the offseason in Lindor and Tatis, and have both had their own issue, legitimate issues that make you concerned about their contract. I mean, you've got yeah, you're right. You've got Lindor here at uh, 194, a batting average. So he's obviously not producing up to whatever the extension was. What was it, two forty or three forty one? Yeah, it was one one million more than Tatis. That's a one million is not petty enough for me. I need it like a hundred thousand or like the bare minimum you have to get over. Like the be- one, of, one of the best contracts of all time was Bill Russell's in the middle of uh, in the mid nineteen sixties where he just walked up, he, he walked in one day, found out that Wilt Chamberlain had gotten a new contract and that it was just, it was a little bit more than he made. And so went in and immediately got an agreement to bring his up. Actually, it might've been the exact same as Bill Russell's. So he got it. He got a dollar raise just to be above Ooh. him. I want that dollar. That dollar is just the most petty thing you could possibly do. It's better than the million. Give me that every day of the week. But then you have um, Fernando Tatis, who is playing phenomenal baseball. You can't deny that he's not producing, that he's producing. However, he can't stay on the field to stay, save his life. No, he can't. And But since he's been back... LJ, was he something – I, I had to make sure I was seeing it correctly. In his last 11 at-bats, he was like 7 for 11. And, like, in his last five games since he came back, he had like eight extra base hits or something crazy. I mean, he just absolutely rakes. I think the issue with him, though, could be his fielding. I mean, check out Baseball Savant. He is – one of the worst players in the league in terms of outs above average right now. And sure, he does provide you with so much offensive value that that doesn't really bother you too much, especially when you have a great player at third base in in Manny Machado. But first percentile and outs above average is kind of worrisome especially because this is a guy who was in the 100th percentile in outs above average in 2020. Again, that's why I could care less. I am sick and tired of advanced defensive stats. To it's, me, it's just, it's, it's too hard to they, quantify they defense. It's way too hard to quantify it, defense. It is. And it's like, for, well, first off, we can agree to an extent, not, not to paint the full picture, However, more than some other some offensive stats, the current like the standard defensive stats show a more definitive. Did I go too long, Brandon? Did I go too long for you? Do you not want to hear from me anymore? Brandon's out here muting me in the middle of my conversation, trying to throw off my groove, but. I am trying to throw you off. I I had to throw you one there just to make sure that you're paying attention. Dude, I will smack every curveball you give me clean out of the park. Um, 
but it was absolute piss missile city next time you throw a curveball at me. Um, but where was I? Oh, where was I? We were talking about defensive stats. Oh, yeah, the, the, sta- the standard ones, as long yeah. as you're not trying to look at it for the full picture, work work pretty well. They tell you what you they need to tell you. However, the more in-depth you go with it, the more room there seems to be for error. And some of the numbers that they give in terms of especially like percentile-wise don't look at all right to me. Like, they just don't look correct, in my opinion, compared to watching the guy. I will take an eye test on a guy at most days of the week over outs of above average because it's just – it's not – it's not accurate to me. I can see that guys are making the plays that they should be making, making the plays they need to be making or aren't. You can, but you can definitively say you are right. In this instance, I'm not entirely shocked that his outs above average is very low. That low is a little jarring. However, he has not looked right there. He has been all over the place at short. A lot of times that's mental, but yeah, I mean, overall, I'm not terribly worried just because he's probably going to get out of it or outgrow it and be fine. He is an incredibly athletic and gifted player at short and can make a lot of great plays. So he just needs to clean up some of the more basic things and he's going to be fine. Let's get on to our next game, the Rays and the Blue Jays. Tampa Bay, they take a 5-0 lead after the top of the first, thanks to a Joey no-batting-gloves Wendell Grand Salami. Toronto would slowly climb their way back in this game. They get home runs from Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Vladdy Jr., and Teoscar Hernandez. Bottom eight, Vladdy steps up and goes yard for his second home run of the day to make it tied. Five to five, uh, LJ. I'm not sure if you saw either of the home runs that that Vladdy hit today. Um, well, I believe that one there. They're tied in the eighth. Exit velocity: 117.4 miles an hour. Traveled 461 feet. Oh, <laughs> the 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 power on this kid is absolutely ridiculous. But that would tie the game. At five, we go to extras. Top 10, Tampa Bay scores two runs on two hits. Bottom 10, the Blue Jays need to come back, and they get a game-tying home run from Marcus Semien uh, to send it to more extras. Top 11, Tampa Bay says, all right, let's just get out of here. They score seven runs, way more than enough to win this one, 14 to 8. Their 11th win in a row, one shy of their franchise record, which they set in 2004. The win to Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Yarbrough, six innings, three hits, three runs, four Ks. Joel Piamps takes the loss for Toronto. Ross Stripling, seven innings, two hits, no runs, and seven Ks. Today, Tampa Bay will be hosting Kansas City. Rich Hill will take on TVD as Tampa looks to tie their franchise record for wins. Toronto will go to the Bronx and it will be Steven Matz taking on Corey Kluber. All right, next up we've got the Rockies and the Mets. This game scoring got going in the top of the second when Ryan McMahon and Elias Diaz both went yard. Uh, McMahon's 12th and Diaz's first of the year makes things 2-0 Colorado. Garrett Hampson would drive in another in the fourth, but that sets them up very well for this game as only two more runs would come across in the game. James McCann would homer in the seventh for New York, and Brandon Drury again in the uh, bottom of the ninth, one of the first plays of the inning makes this 3-2 uh, Colorado, and that would be the final. Give this win to Austin Gomer. He went eight innings, allowing two earned runs and eight strikeouts 
The loss will go to David Peterson, who went six innings, allowing three earned runs, and the save to Carlos Estevez. Jacob deGrom will face Kyle Freeland in his first start back from the I.L. All right, Indians and Tigers. Cleveland would score four runs across innings six and seven to take a six to three lead. In the bottom of the seventh, Willie Castro goes deep for Detroit, but it's not enough. Cleveland wins this one six to five. The win to Giancarlos Mejia out of the Indians bullpen, Sam Hedges. Five innings, five hits, three runs, and seven Ks for Cleveland. Brian Garcia with the loss for the Tigers. Their starter, Spencer Turnbull. Or LJ, is it Spencer, the love bug, the love, what do we say? Spencer, steal your girl, Turnbull. Spencer, steal your girl, Turnbull. Six innings, seven hits, three runs, and three Ks. Emmanuel Classe, eighth save on the year. The matchup between... These two today will be Aaron Savalli and Tariq Skubal. All right, next we've got the Padres and the Brewers. This game started off all Brew Crew. Manny Pena homers in the second. Avisael Garcia homers in the fourth. And then a few more driven in by Colton Wong made this 5-0 Milwaukee. That score would hold until the top of the ninth when San Diego would rally with a homer by Tommy Pham and an RBI double by Eric Hosmer, but that rally will fall short with the Brewers winning this one five to three. Give the win to Brandon Woodruff. He went seven innings of shutout ball with eight strikeouts. The loss to Blake Snell. He went three and two thirds, allowing five earned runs and seven strikeouts. The save will be given to Josh Hader. Next, will be Joe Musgrove trying to prove he belongs after Brandon snubbed him from his list of best two pitchers coming that have thrown no hitters this year. And he will take on Corbin Burns. Uh, I had one quick thing on Blake Snell. So you mentioned he goes three and two thirds of an inning. LJ, he has now made 10 starts this year. Only one of them, he made it through six innings. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Wow. Certainly not what the Padres thought they would be getting. I mean, he hasn't been making bad starts, but I feel like only going four or five innings is weird because we thought that him going to San Diego, they'd actually let him face uh, teams for the third time through the order. And clearly either – I mean, I feel like on some of these, it has been just he hasn't pitched well. And others, it just makes more sense in, in the, the National League to go for a shorter stint of time. You know, you have to get pinch yeah. hit for and such. But still, uh, we see starters go go uh, much longer than six. Uh, so, yeah, just something weird to keep an eye out for because that's – You know, I, coming into tonight's game, 3.79 ERA – 372 FIP. You can't complain with those numbers. No. This has been a very solid year all around. This has been a fine this has been a fine year by Snell, but there's a difference between trusting your guy which what guy when he's hot which 
this team has shown they're willing to do it. They've done it a lot with Musgrove. They've done it with Darvish. So there's that's one thing. However, I'm not necessarily convinced that if they're only putting him out there four or five, I'm not, I'm not convinced. Maybe he's not really capable of that at this point. I mean, Tampa was doing this because of their, like, partially because of that's what they do. They don't only let you go through twice. That's their strategy for everything. However, this might be something that Blake Snell has needed since his injuries. And it's really better for him to be doing this more beneficial for him to get through the whole season. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, I would be more willing to put it on this being a load management decision brought on by the team than anything strategic or a lack of trust in him. All right, let's do the last two recaps. Orioles and Twins, top first, Anthony Santander with a double to put Baltimore up 1-0. Trevor Larnick homers in the bottom of the third. That ties things up at one. The score remains the same until the sixth when Kyle Garlick would homer to give the Twins a 2-1 to lead. In the top of the eighth, DJ Stewart connects, goes yard for a two-run home run. That gives Baltimore the lead, now 3-2. to The Twins' offense absolutely goes off in the bottom of the eighth. They score six runs, getting RBI hits from Mitch Garver, Miguel Sano, Trevor Larnick, and Andrelton Simmons. Uh, that gets the job done. The Twins win 8-3. to Jorge Alcala with the win out of the, out of the Minnesota bullpen. Matt Shoemaker, six innings, five hits, one run, and three Ks. Tanner Scott takes the loss for Baltimore. John Means goes seven, uh, five hits, two runs, and five Ks. And then on to the Cardinals and the White Sox. Uh, this was scoreless until the top of the sixth when Paul Goldschmidt would single to make it 1-0 St. Louis. Bottom six, the White Sox score four, two on an Andrew Vaughn homer, two on a Tim Anderson double. White Sox go on to win 5-1. to one. Tony Larusa gets a win against his old club. The win to Lance Lynn. Now five and one on the year, seven innings, three hits, one run, four Ks. Kwang Hyun Kim takes the loss. Now one and two on the year, five and two thirds, five hits, three runs, five Ks. All right, now it's time for the PPP, particular players people may care about. Brandon, I just want to start off by talking about these two performances here by Woodruff and Austin Gomer. Um, Austin Gomer first, I mean, these are, again, just reminders that this guy's a big leaguer. These types of starts are very important. You're not always going to be the best guy out there, but if you can show flashes of being really quite great and take that pressure and that nice surprise off your team by just flat out going out there and winning the game, then you're going to put yourself and your team in a very good position I am always loving it and here to see surprise starts, to see surprise performances at the plate. They, they're, they're the things that get teams through rough patches in the season, which is certainly something that Colorado has been on. And then with Brandon Woodruff, this is just a little, rem- little friendly reminder of who most likely will be in charge for the rest of the year. Corbin Burns has pitched great. I'm not doubting the fact that he is one of the best pitchers in the league. However, Brandon Woodruff is the ace of this squad. He need, he needs to keep going out there and showing it because both of these guys' numbers are going to be great this year. They're currently, I believe, tied in war. So go out, earn your keep, and keep competing with each other because that's only going to make this team run better. Yeah, a brand. Brandon Woodruff, um, the guy that I picked to win the NL Cy Young this year. Uh, as of right now, it doesn't look like that he's in line to do that, but uh, certainly he'll be top five in the NL Cy Young voting by the end of the year. I'll be willing to make that bet. Um, as for mine, guy, uh, it's Flatty Jr., Uh, We've already dedicated a couple of episodes where we talked about him. 
Uh, but look, what he has done and what he did t- today is just so impressive. And, you know, this is his, his, his true a breakout year. When he first came in the league, you know, people thought he was overhyped. He just hits the ball hard. He strikes out too much, whatever. Last year, it was, oh, he's so overrated. Like, he's actually not that good of a player. He's, he, has, he has a lot of potential, but we haven't seen it yet. Well, he said F you to all those people this year because basically every stat he has been killing it in. I mean, he walks in the 94th percentile strikes out in the 86th percentile. So those are two really important stats for a hitter. If you see that this guy is walking more than pretty much everyone in the league and striking out less than a overwhelming majority of the players in the league, uh, he's doing something right, especially with the way the ball is this year because the MLB can't figure out uh, how to just – slightly alter the ball lj me and you had that conversation the other day where i said i think the mlb has lost control over what they're doing with the ball and they can't get it back to how it was yeah they they've scored they've screwed this ball up so much that they they just don't have no clue how to fix it now it's gone beyond repair and why on earth did anyone trust them again i will say to be in control of their means of production. Yeah. Like, I I can't, I mean, I have no facts on this, but I can't imagine that any of the other major sports control and have any ownership stake in who produces the most important piece to their game. I know the NBA, I'm, I'm sure they don't own Spalding, right? Like, in no, I, I, I don't think so. I don't even know who makes like hockey pucks. Like I couldn't tell you who makes the puck in hockey, but I'm sure that the NFL, they don't, is it, is, is it a Wilson for the NFL? Is that uh, footballs? No, I don't think so. Who makes the football? Yeah. Really? Sporting goods. Yeah. They made the ball since 1941, um, but still. So the MLB is in charge of the NFL. Yeah, I mean the MLB is the only sport whose league owns the company that makes the ball for their sport. What if? Just what if? Somewhere along the line, things got dicey between the MLB and the NFL, and all of a sudden the MLB just said, decided, all right, you know what? No more footballs. You're done. Just stopped giving them balls. What do you think would need to happen for two sports to have like actual beef with each other? I'm not sure what could happen. Rob Manfred calls out Roger Goodell. Just just flat out starts calling each other. All of a sudden, turns into a bunch of Twitter beef. Next thing you know, like they're like barring players because like that would be that would be the two sports that would happen with. Not only because of having the shared company, the one company that one of them owns, but because they're complete opposite seasons, the most frequent game for a player to play two professional sports in are football and baseball because they happen yeah. in completely opposite seasons. So you could see something with that where like, they start barring entry to people that don't like fully pledge their allegiance to one or the other or whatever. I'm not sure what that would exactly look like, but I kind of want to know what it would look like at the same time. Manfred and Goodell are going to have a competition to see who can be more drunk when presenting their championship trophy. Uh, right now, Rob is in the clear lead, but uh, that was that was embarrassing. That I mean, it was embarrassing to look at. I think everyone and their mom thought that the Rays were, were in line to win that game. And then when they pull Snell, Rob, I think he downed too many oh. drinks prior to that because he was, he was, he was kind of, eh. I don't even know what. Well, the question were. is, did he even know that the um, Rays weren't leading by the time he was pulled down to the field? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, but yeah, here. Oh, here's an idea of complete cross sport, just cross sport promotion. Instead of doing an NBA draft lottery, cut it down to the bottom two teams or do a lottery down to the bottom two teams. And then you randomly select the, between the two teams who fights for who. And then you have Rob Manfred and Roger Goodell slap box and whoever wins the team that they we're representing gets the first pick in the NBA draft. Why don't we just put them on like a Saturday night top rank card? Do not disrespect top rank like that to me. No, absolute not, blasphemy. No, it could be the undercard to some big fight. If you make no. that the undercard, then more people are going to want to watch the actual big fight. It's bad enough that the Pauls are trying to fight Floyd Mayweather. Do not do that to me. Do not solely real boxing. All right, let's get on to the leaderboards. Uh, war for hitters. Vladdy Jr. leads 3.1. Behind him, Xander Bogarts and Nick Castellanos at 2.7. War for pitchers. It's Garrett Cole at 2.8. Jacob DeGrom, Zach Wheeler, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff all tied at 2.2. Home runs. Acuna and Vladdy both with 15. All right, LJ, this next story that we want to talk about, I just came across today, and I was shocked to read this. Basically, Eric Kratz, who uh, played in the MLB for, I want to say, a lot of years. A lot of years. Um, From 2010 through 2020. Ten. Ten years. He made some allegations about sign stealing on a podcast for the that is hosted by the guy who produces all the games for the Yes Network, John Jay of Filippelli. Uh first of all, I didn't know that that guy had a podcast. I thought that he was like pretty busy with his job already. So that's interesting, but As for what Kratz said, he said, quote, I can tell you that a team that has been to the World Series often recently, we caught them doing something almost similar. Now, the only team that has been to the World Series uh, more than once uh, is the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, other than the Astros. So it looks like Kratz is implying that the Dodgers took part in some kind of sign-stealing scandal during the 2018 season. He also made a more specific claim against the Colorado Rockies, saying, and I quote, and I can tell you, because I don't really care, I don't know anybody over there. The Colorado Rockies were doing the exact same thing in 2018. They used to take a Theragun and bang it on their, their uh, bench, they were doing the exact same thing from the TV. So there you go. If you think no one else was doing it, you are wrong. The The difference is the Astros may have taken it a, a little too far. Uh, LJ, this is just weird, man. This is, I mean, I don't even know what to think about this. Like, why now is this all coming out? I don't know. It just seems very strange to me. And I'm not saying that any of it is right or not right. I just don't know why this is coming out now. It's it's not it's not weird to me. And I'm, I, let me preface what I'm about to say with cheating is wrong. However, I could care less. I genuinely do not care about any of this. First off, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I had to look up and figure out who the heck Eric Kratz is. First of all, that is a shame because he's one of the greatest catchers in Yankees history. I mean, yes, his two seasons there were very important. Brandon, 
141 I, OPS plus. Brandon, I will quit this show. I swear to you, I will quit this show because that means that it's going incredibly downhill. If we ever bring on someone with 10 years of major league experience, yet zero wins above replacement. LJ, this guy, I mean, yeah, but his. Yeah, but. 141 OPS plus in two years for the Yankees last year at age 40 in 16 games rakes with a 321 average. Brendan, do not let his 0.5 war with the Yankees fool you. This man is pretty much a nobody. 0.5 war in 20 games. You extrapolate that over a whole season and we have an MVP candidate. I didn't – was it only 20 – did he really play four games in the other season? Four games in 2017. Oh, my. Why does this guy – why? But, I mean, just going past his stuff, we already know that every single team steals signs. The, yeah. the thing The thing is, now, once it became abundantly, abundantly clear that the Astros were doing it like this, like once that, all, all of the uh, – facts were laid out there you kind of had to do something but the truth of the matter is you cannot stop this and i'm bored of the story i'm sick and tired of hearing about science stealing um as for the dodgers i'm not sold on that this is a guy who is on a milwaukee team that of course you're going to support your guys however they were losing they lost to these guys i am not shocked I wouldn't be shocked if that was major- the majority of that was made up. Yeah, I mean, they, got, they have that series that that NLCS against the the Dodgers in 2018. They get smoked in that game seven. I mean, I remember thinking that there's no way that the Brewers were one game away from making a World Series, and yeah, they got they uh, certainly struggled in that game seven, but. It makes sense why Kratz is going to defend his guys. I think what I like is that Colorado was cheating, or supposedly cheating, and they have their best year in franchise history. And ever since that year, it has just been downhill for them. So they can't get anything right over there. They they can cheat and somehow still still not figure it out. Everyone is cheating. I don't care anymore. I don't want to hear anyone else. All right. I, honestly, it's not that I don't want to hear anyone else talking about cheating because I don't have an issue with people calling it out. But three years after the fact, talking about it in such bold statements is clear and obvious attention seeking by Eric Kratz. And I don't want to hear a whole, any, any other former, any more former MLB players walking around trying to grab attention by calling cheater. Yeah. I'm tired of it. Uh, I also somewhat agree with that. Uh, I would say that obviously what Kratz said, uh, who knows how much truth there is to it. Uh, it's interesting, but I think it's pretty much common sense that the Astros weren't the only team that was cheating. The Astros had the most egregious cheating system. Yes, every team steals signs. It's part of the game. It was just the way that Houston was stealing signs, using other technology, setting up a TV, setting up that camera. That is what the problem was. Uh, but, yes, teams steal signs all the time. It's a part of the game. It's just like how the pitchers use pine tar. It's a part of the game. It's cheating, but just seems weird to call out call it out now. Uh, yeah. LJ, uh, do you have one last thing or? Um, yeah, just something just to throw out there. I don't think we should like condone cheating. However, if we're going to have this, like it's 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 already here. Why don't we just adapt the game away from using it, allowing it, like. Why don't we forget quit why don't we just quit trying to whine about people stealing signs and get rid of signs? How would you is, suggest that? Is there a good reason 
why earbuds aren't allowed. Earbuds. So like similar to the NFL play call system. A hundred percent. You put something in the catcher's mask, you put something in the pitcher's ear, and then you don't even have to have the catcher call. Again, I don't want, I don't want to see a world where the difficulty of catching becomes completely devalued. However, it seems like the natural progression of things because you can have somebody, you could have a coach that is much more devoted to learning every, can be far more devoted to learning every scouting report and everything the pitcher, each pitcher, than a catcher can. As much as that's their job and they do, so many of them do an incredible job of calling games. If you had one guy that could be solely devoted to that one coach, you would be, he would end up being more successful. So you basically turn it into more towards a high school game where a pitching coach is calling the game for everybody else from the back, from the dugout, from the clubhouse and relaying the the calls to the pitcher and the catcher through an earbud. That's the easiest way to not get, not get um, your sign stolen make that legal there's no there's no i can't see harm to it is my issue my thing yeah uh there's the problem there isn't a problem other than i'm sure that a bunch of the catchers would be pissed that they aren't calling the game anymore uh i feel like that that's like you know it 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 is the the catcher's job to call the game they have such a relationship with their pitcher who trusts them so much that I think you take a lot of that out when you just have the pitching coach just Again, whoever just calling the pitches. I don't know. It seems kind of dumb to me in the fact that, like, it wouldn't be the catcher calling the signs anymore. Is that such a crucial part of being an, an MLB catcher is knowing what pitch to call, how to call a good game, et cetera. And, and you're right. And, again, that's something I've always stood on is um, – the authenticity of the game and making it making sports human rather than all replays and robot umps and all this stuff. That's what I like to see. However, why complain about it when there's an easy solution there? Yeah. You don't need to. You really don't. The other thing is you could also make it code words too. Like it's much easier. I I feel like it would be much harder to steal signs if they were just like actual like words that didn't necessarily have meaning outside of it that you could switch up. Like that's an option too. You could, it, it would, it would be more difficult. However, you could do it. My point is that there are ways around this technologically if they wanted to get rid of it but they yeah. clearly don't. We agree that it's not the best thing. So if you're not going to try to get rid of it, stop complaining. Also, Eric Kratz's Yankee career, uh, or I'm sorry, his Justice 2020 comes out to a 11 war season extrapolated. That is better than any Mike Trout season. So Eric Kratz. A, a shame he only got 32 at-bats over two years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's one of the the biggest what ifs in sports history. What if the 2020 season was 162 games so we could see Eric Kratz? Was after- he even on the roster the entire year? Honestly, I don't okay. think so. Like, there's no I don't because he only played 16 games. Like, he couldn't have been. You're telling me he sat out for like all no. no. Uh, LJ. No, because you had Kyle Higashioka. That you were wasting wasting his time behind Gary Sanchez. All right, uh, let's LJ. We have our MLB Daily Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a new team to pick a player for, or pick a nominee. It is the Minnesota Twins. Uh, LJ, I think that there's one like really obvious one that me and you both probably are going to end up picking here, but. Let's talk through a couple of guys, and uh, I just want to see what what you're thinking, LJ. So, uh, yeah, how do you uh, see this team when it comes to a Hall of Fame pick? There's only one answer, and his name is Nelson Cruz. 
I refuse to consider anyone else. Can we at least talk about a couple of other guys? We can talk about a couple other guys here. Andrelton Simmons, defensive monster. Uh, One of both of our favorite players here. Um, What's his face? Uh, Byron Buxton has had an elite 150 games. Josh Donaldson. His past 150 have been brilliant. Uh, Josh Donaldson, again, yeah, playing great. Uh, This is a guy who's resurrected his career over the past couple of years. However, he he, he just rakes. That's all all Donaldson does. He rakes, but there's one guy who rakes more and hits absolute moonshots and then wears coolers on his head just for the hell of it. And that is Nelson Cruz. Give me Nelson Cruz. And frankly, he has the best, I'm willing to say right now, he has the best odds of making it all the way of anyone except Mike Trout. Ooh. Making it for, for, for our sake. Our, the- our Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Fame. I don't know. That's tough. Because it depends. So you're saying right now we're picking Mike Trout for the Angels. There's not even consideration for Otani. I mean, there should be a consideration for Otani. However, we can have this discussion too when we get to them. But may I remind you that Mike Trout is pretty much the reason that this segment exists. Oh, yes. This goes back to this goes back to a misinterpreted take from several years ago when I was talking with my father. I, was it my father or was it like all of you were there? No, I'm pretty because sure it was just your father. It was just Papa Elge. And then Papa Elge quickly decided to tell Brandon and Joy about this, like within a couple of minutes, where I said, if anyone in the world, modern world of sports, could make the Hall of Fame while still playing, it would be Mike Trout. Somehow that got misconstrued as Mike Trout should be in the Hall of Fame right now. And then I just started joking around about it. And for about a week and a half, we started calling Mike Trout the next uh, active Hall of Famer in baseball. But that's, that's basically the reason that we started doing this with only active guys. Yeah. So I mean, I I feel like that should more so work. That should that should work for him. The fact that he's the best player in the on the planet should also work very heavily in his favor. So, yeah. But we are on the Twins right now. We are on the Twins right now, and um, yeah. Half half foot and mouth should be immediately uh, pulled from the options because how the hell do you get hand foot and mouth as an adult? See, here's the, the dumbest thing, thing I have. It's an endless cycle if you're a fan of a team that Jay Happ is pitching for because every single start that he makes you feel like is terrible, but then he somehow pulls like a three ERA out of his ass at the end of the year, and you're like, how is this possible that this guy has a or, or now of over. 15 years of four ERA. You're like, how is this possible? Because I swear this guy allows at least three base runners in inning. Like he just is always in jams. And yeah, LJ, you certainly when, when he was on the, the Yankees, you, you gave him quite a bit of crap and you still do. Yeah. How do you get hand, foot and mouth? You are it's a 36 truck. years old. This is oh. a child's disease for a reason. Yeah. MLB Daily, not Hall of Fame. Not Hall of Fame, no. Not Hall of Fame. We do not give Hall of Fame to people who get child diseases after th- age 35. He's a first ballot in the anti-MLB Daily Hall of Fame. Yes, 100%. All right, so we're going to lock in on Nelson Cruz here. I believe so. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up today's show. Thank you for listening. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Make sure that you follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Karen and follow Belly Up Sports on Twitter at 
belly up sports and at belly up podcast thank you for listening we'll be back tomorrow the only baseball podcast coming to you with content seven days a week uh that's gonna do it for this one and we will see you tomorrow see you manana Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.